It is a privilege. It's a privilege to know God and to to spend time with Him and, and get to know Jesus in the ways that He will reveal Himself to us. It's a privilege to be here with you guys, family. And uh, yeah, today I want to share something of a testimony. Um, as Paul talked about the the lamp and the oil and our relationship and, and the 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 driving motivation of my life of my life, and when I talk to people, whether it's here or over in Ukraine and Russia is to know Jesus more. It's why we were created. It's why we're here. It's why we have breath today, is to know him. We're going to be with him forever. And we get to know him now. And it takes time to build this relationship. And so today I want to talk about one of the ways that we can know him. One of the ways that he reveals himself to us. Now, we've all, we're probably all very familiar with Psalm 23. We've probably heard many messages on it. And so as I talk today, you know, I'm not going to address everything that you've heard. You know, it's, many people have taught really well on this. Um, but I just want to share a little bit of my experience in getting to know Jesus as my shepherd. And uh, perhaps something in, in my testimony Will, will, will encourage you or draw you into a closer place of knowing him that way. So Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus called himself the good shepherd. In John 10, he said, I am the good shepherd. You know, that song we sang, the great I am, when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, he was declaring that. I am. I am the great I am, and as the great I am, I am the good shepherd. In that same passage, he also said, the shepherd calls, the sheep hear his voice, and then he leads them out. He calls the sheep to follow him because they know his voice, and, and wherever he goes, they're following him. A shepherd leads, and his leadership in my life has been perfect. I haven't always recognized it. I haven't always wanted it, you know, but I've been a believer for 48 years now, and when I look back at my life, I recognize that there's times when, as he was leading me, I was just kind of lagging behind taking my time. I'd be distracted. I'd wander off the path and he'd have to go find me. That's what shepherds do. Sometimes I would struggle to keep up with him because he was moving and I just wasn't ready. At least I didn't think I was. Sometimes I'd find a path that's like, Jesus, this is the way. And I'd insist on my own way. But he'd bring me back. Sometimes I would resist. It's like, I don't want to go there. Sometimes I was eager. 
I said, yes, Jesus, let's go, and I'd run ahead of him. And sometimes I'd be right there, falling right at his feet. He's the good shepherd. You know, and, and, and many times he's, he's shown me grace. You know, there's been times of discovery, times of discipline, times of rest, times of growth, times of crisis, times of adventure. But he's always there. He's always leading. At this point in my life now, as I've, as I've, you know, I've heard about him being a good shepherd all my life. And I say, yes, he's a good shepherd. I know that fact. But it's really only in recent years that I've begun to want to know him as my shepherd. Not just know about him. I want his leadership in my life. I want to know him as the perfect leader. And that's what he is. So let's, let's look at Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's our provider. As a shepherd, he's our provider. And his provision in my life, when I look back, I see how all the ways that he's, he's made a way for me. Um, you know, I grew up in a single-parent home, a brother and a sister, and we often didn't have hardly anything, but he was always providing. Um, I, I, my mom tells a story of one time she was going to make supper, and there was literally nothing in our cupboards but popcorn. <laughs> Excuse me. And she was going to make popcorn just to put something in our stomachs. And there was a knock on the door. And a woman came, was at the door with a bag of groceries. And she said, I just felt the Lord. Wanted me to bring this to you today. He's her provider. I went to a, you know, I grew up, I went to a, a private Christian college for four years. Um, in the summers, I worked at camps. And anybody who's worked at camps, it's always you don't make any money at camps. But after four years of college, a lot of hard work, I left school with a $500 debt. He provided. I got married. We had lots of kids. Four. Not as many as my son. Um, I wasn't making a lot of money, but God was always providing. Then, then he opened a door into an amazing job. And suddenly, I had money. And God provided, and we were able to do things, and our kids, you know, had the clothes they needed, and we got a big house, too big of a house, but, you know, it, he provided. He was always providing for us. And then he began to do something in my heart. He says, I want you to do this. And I was like, really? Okay. And, but God, you know, 
this great job, lots of money coming in, how am I going to do that? But the desire in my heart was to do that. And so I was, the, the, the week before I was going to resign to, to go into full-time ministry, I was laying in bed and I was like counting the cost of what this would actually mean. And I was like, well, we won't be able to do this. We won't be able to do this. We'll have to cut back on that. And then I saw a picture of my paycheck. And immediately, I was like someone slugged me in the stomach with fear. And I cried out. I said, God, I need to know. Am I supposed to do this? And immediately I fell asleep, and I started to have a dream. And in this dream, I was going through a checklist. You know, so-and-so would do this, so-and-so would do this at the house of prayer, so-and-so would do this. And then I saw the job responsibility of the finances. And in the dream, I got hit with that fear again. But immediately, a voice yelled into the dream. That's my job. The fear was gone. I woke up. I thought to myself, I think I just heard the voice of God. I resigned the next week. I had many wrestling matches with God over this that he was going to provide. He, he, he drove me into the scriptures to find out who he was as the provider. That was, that was eight and a half years ago. And he's still providing. You know, we've, we've gone over to Ukraine and, and Russia now in Iraq, you know, a total of six times in the last two years. We don't have the money to do that. But God has provided. He's my shepherd. He's, the, he's provided for every penny that we've needed. And I thank you, because you're part of that provision. You, you, you have done that. You've, been, you've joined with his son. That You've joined with him in being part of that provision. And uh, we actually leave in five weeks again for two months. We'll be in Ukraine from October 11th through December 7th. And I'll tell you, I never know how he's going to do it. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know where it's coming from for this trip. But we bought our tickets, and we're going. And I'm, I'm just, I'm to the point now, it's like, okay, Jesus, how are you going to do it? Surprise me, and he does every time. I've come to know him as my shepherd, as my provider. Do you? Do you know him that way? Let's continue on. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Those green pastures, those places of, of abundance, the place of of sweet grass and, and delicious water, a place of rest. It's like this is the, the place in life where it's like everything's working well. And he, he, he's brought us to this place, and we're, you know, our relationships are good, life is good, the sun is shining. And it's like, thank you, Jesus. I 
I love life right now. This is a good place. Let's just stay here forever. I like this pasture. It's really good here. It's a place of, of drawing near to him. It's a place of, of uh, a time of where we can, you know, we're, fr- we're free from certain distractions in our life, and we can, we can take that time to, to get to know him in whatever ways he will show us. But he doesn't leave us there. Something happens. You know, we've gotten comfortable in this place, and, and then he as a good shepherd says, hey, guys, it's time to move. We need to go to another pasture. We need to, uh, we need to leave this place. You know, and he says this. It says this. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Jesus is our leader. And he leads us on the paths that he wants us to go. He, he, it, can be, it could be read, he leads us on the right paths for his namesake. And because he's a good shepherd and because it's his name, it's his reputation as a good shepherd, he doesn't just let us sit in this, this pasture, but he leads us to the next place that is right for us to be. And it's not always comfortable. It's not always comfortable. But it's that lamp that, that Paul had, if you remember, I talked about the light. The light is our testimony. The light is how we know Jesus. And he leads us in these paths so that we can have a light, so that we can have a testimony of who he is as the shepherd, of who he is as the good shepherd. You know, and these 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 places he leads us aren't always where we want to go they're not always the most comfortable um, you know sometimes we think yeah we'll go to that next pasture it's just the other side of the hill but sometimes there's a big valley between the next pasture and and he leads us to the next place but sometimes it's through the valley So let's continue. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Even though I walk through the valley. You know, as I was writing this note, it's just like, I heard in the background, this is where the scary music is supposed to start. The valley. The valley can be dirty, it can be dark. It can be cold. It's not a place that we want to go. It's not a place that we enjoy being. The sun isn't shining there. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in the valley because of our own choices. Sometimes because of the choices of others. Sometimes, you know, we're in a fallen world. And we find ourselves in the valley because of the sin because of the sickness, because of violence, because of enemies. But in his amazing wisdom, sometimes he leads us into the valley because he knows 
our paths. He knows our lives from the, from the beginning to the end. But he will always be our shepherd. And when we find ourselves in that valley, he's leading us. It says it's the valley of the shadow of death. It's the valley of the shadow. And I, as I was thinking about this <clears throat> and, and thinking about my times in the valley, what came to me is it's a valley of opportunity. You know, Romans 8.28 says, We know that God makes all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. That even though the valley is a place we don't want to be, it's a valley of opportunity to know him. To know him in a way that we could not know him if we didn't enter that valley. No, we don't seek the valley. We don't run into the valley on purpose. But sometimes we find ourselves there. Sometimes he leads us there. Now, the valley we can, be, can look like different trials in our life. You know, maybe we struggle with a coworker or job loss, a neighbor things that come against us in our life. But Israel was told that when they were entering into the promised land, that God was going to leave some of their enemies there so that they would learn to fight. There was something that God wanted them to learn in that struggle. Sometimes we, the valley has to do with our health. We have sickness or disease, and we're struggling with, with something in our body. It's an opportunity to come to know Jesus as our healer, as the one who, who anoints us with that healing oil. Sometimes it's a valley of failed dreams. Think of Joseph. You know, he had this dream that his, his whole family was going to bow down to him, and his whole family knew it. And he, you know, I can just imagine he has his dreams like, wow. I'm going to be great. What's it going to look like? But in order to get that to that point, there were, there were a couple of really major valleys he had to go through before he reached that, the fulfillment of that dream. Oftentimes God will give us a vision in our life or, 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 or something that, he, that, that excites us and we're going to go after it, but we don't understand that there will very well be valleys between here and there. But those valleys are a place of, of getting to know Jesus in a way that we cannot know him in other ways. Sometimes the valley involves our heart. There's things in our lives that, that we become heartbroken over. There's rejection. There's, there's other, other ways that, that our inner man is is full of pain, and it's a valley that Jesus meets us in, and he will lead us through that, and he will be our comforter, and he will be our healer. Sometimes it's the valley of physical suffering. As Christians, Jesus said, blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness when you're persecuted for my name's sake. 
Now, in America, we don't see a lot of that. It's starting to bubble up a little bit. Around the world, many believers are experiencing that persecution, that physical suffering. And we think of Daniel and Shadrach and, the Mesh- and Meshach and, and the, the persecution, the suffering that they endured, being thrown into a fiery furnace, being thrown into lions, being falsely accused because of their faith in God. But think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They met Jesus in that fire. They came to know him in a way that they would never have known him if they hadn't been cast into that valley. Daniel being cast into the lion's den. He came to know Jesus as the shepherd who shuts the lion's mouths. You know, David's life was full of valleys. If you read his life, you, you, you read about the struggles that he had and, and, and the triumphs, but in his Psalms, you hear his heart, and, he's, and he says, Why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide your face from me, O God? O God, how long will you forget me forever? My God, why have you forsaken me? The cords of death surrounded me. Torrents of ungodly terrified me. David was real with his struggle in the valley. But he cried out to God. And he says, I cried out to you and you heard me and you delivered me from my many enemies. Why are you downcast, O my soul? When you're in the valley, oftentimes this is where we're at. Why are you in despair? It's a way to know God. It's an opportunity to know Jesus as that good shepherd. And David always came out of it saying, I will hope in God. I will love you, God, forever. It's a valley of the shadow of death. It's a place of dying. Sometimes it's a place that we die to ourselves. Jesus said many times, take up your cross and follow me. And sometimes in that valley, it's a place where we have to die to ourselves. The cross is only for one thing, and that's to die. Our rights, our stubbornness, his leadership, it's a place to die. Sometimes the valley is for that purpose. Sometimes we encounter death in real ways, death of a loved one. You know, Mary and Martha encountered the death of Lazarus. It was a valley for them. They knew Jesus, if he would come, they could, he, could, he could be healed and he wouldn't die. But when Jesus came, three days after he died, they came to him. Martha came to him and said, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And she handled it intellectually. She began to talk with him about theology. I know that you are, you know, in the last day he will be raised again. 
And Jesus looks at her and said, I am the resurrection and the life. He was inviting her to know him in that way as the resurrection, as the one who gives life. Mary came to him with the exact same words. Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But she came to him very differently. She came to him crying, weeping, not offended. And Jesus responded and demonstrated to her that he was the resurrection. She came to know him that way. His rod and his staff comfort me. His, you know, his voice is a comfort to us, but his rod, his staff, they're, they're used to guide us in, the, in that valley. As we're walking too close to the edge, his staff will, will move us away from the edge. He doesn't beat us with it, but he guides us. He, he leads us, and it's a comfort to us. When it's dark and I can't see where I'm going, and I feel the tap of his staff on my shoulder, it's comforting. In the valley, this is a place where he sets a table before us in the presence of our enemies. It's still in the valley. I'm gonna, a few years ago, I got cancer. And I, I was cancer of the thyroid, and, and the doctor said they needed to take it out. We prayed about it. We, you know, we, as a, as a congregation, we prayed for healing. And I, I stood before the Lord. I stood before you. I said, God, you can heal me now. Do it. If you want to heal me on the operating table, do it. If they need to take this thing out, let it be. Well, he didn't heal me. I went to go through the operation. They took it out. And part of the procedure afterwards is you, they take you off all your medicine. They give you this, this uh, irradiated pill that you swallow. And then for two weeks, you're miserable. And my experience in this time was um, it swelled up so much that at night when I tried to sleep, I could feel myself nodding off. And as soon as I nodded off, I would stop breathing, and I'd, I'd wake up. And this went on for a few days. I was quite miserable. But one night, I, I, I said, I can't do this in bed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit up in a chair. I put some worship music on, and I just you know, made myself as comfortable as possible, and I was just talking to him and listening, and and you know, I would, I'd nod off, and it would, it would, I'd stop breathing, so I'd startle awake, and and uh, then something happened. I began to think of this psalm, and 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 when I got to the part about the table, I began to see this picture, and, and I, honestly, I don't remember this. I only remember it because I I journaled it that night. Um, and I discovered it a few, a few weeks later. 
But what happened is, is it was dark. I was in this valley. I was miserable. And then Jesus came to me. And there was a table. He set a table there. And on the table there was a glass of wine, a loaf of bread, and a candle. The only light in all that darkness. And he invited me to sit down with him. And we sat there and, and we shared that meal together. And we talked. And in the darkness, I could see all these glowing eyes, evil eyes, all around me. And at, at some point in our conversation, he said, just speak to those eyes. And tell them to leave. I said, really? I'd rather have you do it. He said, no, you do it. And so I said, go. In the name of Jesus, go. Well, I must have been conscious long enough to write it out because all I remember after that is I fell asleep. And from that point on, I slept every night. You know, David said in Psalm 6, I'm weary because of my adversaries. And then he, then he, decla he declares this. He says, depart from me. And it says, all my enemies will be ashamed and turn back from me in shame. That was my experience. I was with Jesus in that valley. He was with me. And he set a table before me. It was a table of fellowship. It was a table of coming to know him in a way that I had not known him before. It was a, of knowing him as my good shepherd. You know, the valley of suffering is a place of having fellowship with Jesus. It's a place of coming to know him in ways that we cannot know him in that green pasture. Paul talks about knowing Jesus and, the f and having the fellowship in suffering. In Philippians 3. And we cannot know him as that fellowship of suffering without being in that valley. And because his leadership in our life is perfect, sometimes he takes us there. And I want to know him in every way that he will reveal himself to me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. When you know Jesus in the valley, you can declare that statement. You can declare that statement with honesty because you know him. 
the valley of the shadow of death. There's one more place of death, and it's the last valley that we enter. It's the time of our own death. It's the time when we will be looking at death in the face. It may be quick, it may be slow. It may be painful, it may be peaceful, it may be chaotic, it may be easy. But regardless of your path through the valley, I want to challenge you. Will you have taken advantage of the valleys of opportunity to come to know Jesus as your shepherd so that when you enter the valley for the last time, and you see Jesus, you look at him and say, I recognize you. You have been my shepherd all my life. I have come to know you as the good shepherd. And your leadership in my life has been perfect. dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to know Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. And knowing him as your shepherd, trusting him as your shepherd, knowing he's with you in the good times, the abundant times that he's providing for you, knowing that he's with you, and knowing him, not just a fact, but knowing him in the valley. We're going to conclude our service by coming to the table, that table that he sets before us. We call this communion. And Jesus, you know, he, he told us to celebrate this meal, declaring that he died for us until he comes. It's a place of fellowship. We fellowship around this table as the church, but we fellowship at this table with him one-on-one. -on -one. This is the table that Jesus sets before you in that valley. And I encourage you that if, if you are in a valley right now, as I'm sure many of you are, come to this table. Look into his eyes. Seek to know his heart, that he's with you in that valley. So he knows your valley well.